I did have my first launch-related dream last night. Ooh, okay. What you got? And it wasn't exactly a nightmare. It was like somewhere in the in-between space because <laughs> it I was looking exactly at it. like what a launch is, generally Yeah, that's exactly right. Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 256 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the webs programmer. I'm Sam, and I'm the art maker. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April 24th, 20 Blundy. And before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be some swears on this show. Launch swears. The most some of the guy. words, they're going to be bad. So yeah. Just be ready for that. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net, where we grab people's money. Uh, this week, we grabbed Speccio's money. Speccio like said, "It's a good repeat grab, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, just keep just keep double dipping into mm-hmm. there. Uh, Speccio says, congratulations on the launch of the best maker game ever. Congratulations on the launch of the best maker game ever. I don't know why he said it twice, but <laughs> sometimes, you, sometimes you got to scream it from the hilltops, you know? Yeah. You just got to get it out there. Yeah. That was for uh, the people in the back, you know? Yeah, for those of you in the back who couldn't hear it. Uh, we also <laughs> like to thank our recurring supporters as well. Thank you very much. Uh, let's talk about what is happening this week. Now, first, before we get into the real news, I just want to quickly point out hmm. this is our last one bite episode. 256. This is episode 256. Now, as we all know, binary is made of zeros and ones, and a and a byte is eight zeros and ones, right? There's 256 mm-hmm. possible numbers in there. So or one just byte things. Yeah. So uh so we have hit the point now where if we want to do one more episode. We're gonna need we're gonna need two bytes to store yeah, two the, byte the numbers. numbers. It's a good it's a yeah. good time to graduate into two bytes, you know, yeah. right before yeah. launch. It is now importantly uh, for us to get into the three byte range. It's going to now take another one thousand two hundred and fifty five years. So <laughs> things oh, that escalated quickly. Things escalate yeah. quickly. So if we wanted to try to get into the three byte range, maybe do like one episode a day. That would still take us 179 years. So mm. I think there's. I think we're. I, I think probably we're, two bytes will be enough. I think if we were yeah. setting up a database to store all of these numbers in it, just probably call it two bytes. We'll, good we'll enough. Stick with the two. Oh, there's a good chance that I would have been like one byte seems like enough because that yeah, seems to be what we do. A lot yeah. of episodes. <laughs> one byte's enough. We're never going to get to episode 256, yeah. 257. Nope. Uh, all right, let's talk about the real news. Levelhead. Yeah. Levelhead Level launching. Is launching this week. And uh, so this, tomorrow. This, yeah, for, this episode comes out on the 29th and the launch is on the 30th. Uh, and we're recording just a few days before that. So uh, we don't know what's going to happen necessarily. So nope. let's talk about let's talk about what we – the things that we do know, which is where the game's coming out. Uh, all right. So are you guys ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Give me the r- – right. run down the I'm giant not, I'm list. not sure if I'll, I might need to go get a, like a drink of water in the middle of this, but you know. <laughs> all right. Because of how get, long get the list note, is. Get out a notepad. Levelhead is launching on Thursday, April 30th on Google Play, Google Play Pass, the App Store, Steam, Switch, Xbox, Xbox Game Pass – the Epic Store and the Microsoft Store. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And uh, fun news: uh, Crashlands is free on the Epic Store. Also beginning at on the same time. At the same time. At the same dang time. 
and and, <laughs> and if you get epic or sorry if you on epic if you get crashlands for free you so get a little discount cost you nothing you get a 10% discount for nothing on on levelhead you just get you just get yeah. one game for free and then we just, uh, yeah. we're just paying you to get crashlands just get it so though. go throw crashlands into your library get 10% off on levelhead throw that in your library yeah and you can oh. also do this on steam you just also have to buy crashlands because yeah they're bundled on Steam, so you get a ten percent discount yeah. if you buy if you buy both on Steam. And I think even uh, if you already have bought Crashlands on Steam, yep, you still you get, get discount. That you can still do the bundle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so get in there, get the game. It is coming out of early access on Steam, and it's hitting all these it's other platforms coming out for the first time. Uh, How you guys feel? Because it's uh, it's happening. I'm I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling. Um, I'm feeling apprehensive, not about the launch, but just that I've I haven't had a lot of game programming to do in the past week, and I don't know what that I I've lost my sense of self. Know what I mean? <laughs> like the game is done. I don't know who I am anymore. I mm-hmm. mean, for the past more than two years, Seth has spent every waking moment of certainly every workday and many waking mm-hmm. moments of most weekends and well many yeah cuz the moments uh, during the workday when i'm sleeping i'm not working on the, <laughs> yeah, the game exactly. at those Just times spent basically every moment programming levelhead or thinking about programming levelhead and uh, and he had to stop yeah this past week i've done stuff like write the uh, the new employee handbook for new players uh, the bureau of shipping new Which employee is handbook mm-hmm. um, doing stuff like Popping into meetings, talking about advertisement strategies, reviewing uh, email newsletters. Doing quarterly reviews, talking about the future, doing business yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. And it's weird because I know I know we've talked a lot in the past about this idea of like – it's very easy to think that that you're only like being productive if you're, pro- if you're producing something that you can point to and be like, I made that thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that it's, it's a lot harder to – get into the mindset of of like doing useful things and being productive also includes planning for stuff. Well, not and only that, but actually if you were to keep programming the game, you would actually create more problems for us because – Yeah, I know. So, I, yeah, then, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> I've been really trying hard. Like I've been, I've been playing a lot of video games on the weekend because I'm like, don't program. Don't, <laughs> Stay, don't, even don't add it. any new features. Just chill out. Mm-hmm. Just let the game launch. And then start creating problems for everybody. That's I did trick. have it is a yeah. trick. I did have my first launch related dream last night. Ooh, okay, what you got? And it wasn't exactly a nightmare. It was like somewhere in the in between space because <laughs> it I was sounds exactly at a, like what a launch is generally. Yeah, speaking. that was exactly right. <laughs> so, so I was looking at a I was looking at a chart. So we have all the we have all this like fun back end uh, uh, charts and things that we can watch things live as they unfold, right? Um, and so I was looking at one and, and I will say in my dreamscape, because I, I don't have, we've talked about this in the past, no, not going to go into it, but I don't have visual memory and I can't picture things in my mind. So, so the chart that was in my mind was very boring and simple, you know, which was kind of a bummer. It was, I was more of the idea of a chart. It was the idea of a chart. I was kind of upset <laughs> with my dream self for not being more creative. But, uh, but so I had this chart. It was just like this boring ass line, but the, but the important thing were the numbers on the axis, which were very big, mm-hmm. like Crazy big, like six. It was like sixteen million, right? So, not one hundred percent sure what those numbers were for, but it doesn't even matter because whatever it was, that means there's there's a lot of people. That's playing. a lot. So, hopefully, hopefully, it's day one uninstalls. <laughs> that means that means that the install base is in the billions. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
That's that's the dream. Yeah, there's yeah. A lot of- I saw this and then I remembered though in my dream state because uh, part of my plan before launch is to go over provision all of our server resources mm-hmm. so that we definitely have more than enough for any reasonably large sort of outcome. Uh, but I haven't done that yet because I was going to do that a few days before launch. And so in my dream, I still knew that I hadn't done that. Right? Ooh, so no. all of a sudden these numbers are really high and I was like, oh my God, right? I forgot I need to, to go. I need to go <laughs> check on the, on the web infrastructure right now. And so then in my dream, I was like logging into Amazon, AWS and like doing all this, like trying to figure out if things were fine or not, only to discover that the numbers suddenly came all the way back down to like what they are today. Because – and this is where you know this is where the fuzzy dream logic. I don't, I don't really understand what this was supposed to be. But there was some other game that was somehow hosting Levelhead. Like people were playing Levelhead from inside of it somehow. Well, they, they somehow took it. Yeah, they somehow they just took it. it. It was just in there. So people were still playing it. So this game was like, really successful, whatever this, this thing was. Sure. Uh, this, is somehow, your, this, is your, this is your WoW private server situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that somehow Levelhead became very successful very briefly within the context of this other game. And then everything came back down and then it was fine. As, but then I still woke happen, up right afterwards being like, oh, God, I need to go. I need to go shore up the, the web infrastructure because mm-hmm. like, I, I still – like it took me a while to process that launch had not happened yet. Yeah, dude, I hate that. I, I always have those dreams where uh, where I will, in my dream, get an email or something. Like I'll, I'll be doing something else completely unrelated in the dream, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, ooh, and then I – Oh, it's, like, it's, it's like a normal dream. and then you, It's and like then, a normal dream, yeah, and then yeah. just like in real life, I'm going about my business, and then and then all of a sudden, you know, I'll get an email or a, or a notification about something, and it's a screenshot of a game maker error from a crash. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And and in the dream, legit in the dream, it will have lines of code and object references and stuff. But it's always the case that it just it just absolutely doesn't make sense given like given what I actually know about the game. Yep. Um, and so then in the dream, I am I then like drop everything and I go and hunt and hunt down and I'm digging through code that is that my brain is like it's imaginary to, weird code. It's yeah. like imaginary code that's not real <laughs> and and I'm like debugging stuff in the dream and it's uh, and then I wake up. Uh, and there's, like you said, there's always that there's that residual window yeah. where where I'm freaking out about this cra- this new crash in the game, and it's not. It's I not think real. it's funny. These are your guys' nightmares because mine are are actually much quieter, where they're more about nothing happening. Because yeah, it's like that's, in some ways, that's my my good dream, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. That's the thing. Like, if, if I if I look at my email inbox, it's sort of like it's like we launched and then nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Did get no one played, no emails, no tweets. And to be fair, I am still worried about that. But I mean, it's it's a different kind of worry. Yeah, because for me, like the the anxiety of that is is like that's just a huge bummer, and it makes makes me concerned about then the future of the studio Mm -hmm. versus everything literally being on fire right now, which is it's that long term versus the short term (laughs) sort of stress. So so pre launch, I'm much more worried about everything being on fire than mm -hmm. I am about nothing being on fire. Yeah, but let's talk about that. Let's talk, okay, so it we've done a, we've jitters. done a lot. Yeah, I mean we've done a lot. Um, we are one of our big sort of I wouldn't call it a gamble, but one of our sort of bets is is it, it just is the case that uh, the game did not get traction in early access. Yeah, you know, and and we we pointed to a lot of of different things that might explain that, um, but it's it's been hard to explain because. It has a ninety-seven percent positive on on Steam. Like the mm-hmm. the people who have gotten into it are just like, oh, like fuck, this is so good, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all, overwhelmingly. 
uh, and that's actually how, that's how Steam describes that that rating level is overwhelmingly positive, right? And um, but it's it's still the case that that getting people to buy the game in that in that phase on Steam Early Access has just been very hard to do for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who get into it are just absolutely loving it, um, but it's hard to get them there. And so we pointed to a lot of things that might explain that. So we're like, maybe just that it is an early access, um, that it's been hard to get streamers and, and press and YouTubers and stuff, be, again, because it's early access and they tend to not cover early access games. So uh, so we pointed all those things and we're like, we have, to, we have to think of all the reasons why somebody might not get into this game. Just mm-hmm. like just boot it up and, and start playing it and do everything possible to – push against those things at the full launch. Um, yeah. Just just obliterate all those reasons. And so uh, so we got a bunch of them. You know, one is is people who are like, oh well I don't have a, a PC or I don't play games on Steam, right? There's a huge proportion of people. And, and in fact a huge proportion of our audience because Crashland's most successful platforms were both on mobile, right? Android right. and iOS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Steam was much, much further down the list in terms of our, our player base for Crashlands. Um and so, of course, like launching on iOS, launching on Android, you know, these are these are a big deal. But also then getting the game into existing services where people don't have to make a purchasing decision. And that's where yeah. Xbox Game Pass comes in and Google Play Pass, where it's like if you're already a subscriber to these things, you, you all you have to do is just boot the game up. Yeah, like it, it just has to look interesting enough to be worth the – you know, 30 seconds of download time. Or whatever. Yeah. And it's a 220 megabyte download or something. So like it's going to download so fast that you don't even really get the opportunity to change your mind <laughs> about downloading <laughs> right. it when you, you click that the, button. You're in there now. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you see those games are like 120 gigabytes, you know, and you, you start to download it. And it's like, come back in six weeks, <laughs> yeah. you know, and at that point you're, you might, you might move on to other things, but like level is just going to, it's just going to be on your computer. Yep. Um, and or on your Xbox, and so uh, so we have done everything possible to to try to break into those things, and then the other one is just an awareness thing. Um, you know, the, the comment that we got a lot through early access was was even for people who started playing the game, they were like, "Why did I not hear about this?" Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, like wh- why <laughs> why is nobody talking about this game? Uh, why are streamers not playing it? Why are why are big YouTubers not playing this game? And of course, we ourselves are asking the same question. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, like yeah. we were trying, why aren't they? Right? Yeah. Um, and so, so one of our big lessons for this has been the advertising side of things, which is like, you know, there, part of it is is you reach out to press and streamers and YouTubers and all that, and and you tell them about your game, um, but their incentives are the same as everybody else's, which is which is they want to cover and make videos about and write about things that people are already excited about because mm-hmm. if people are excited about it they'll go read the, they'll go read the article right or they'll go watch the video and so so if you have a game that doesn't already have a huge amount of excitement around it um, then you're actually asking all these other these other players to take a risk by taking the time to make videos about your game or without necessarily having it. an audience. Yeah, without yeah. there being an audience of people who already want to read or, or view those things. Mm-hmm. And so so a big part of of our strategy for for Levelhead has been to try to learn how to play the advertising game, you know, and and just put just make just build awareness, 
and just yep. spread those videos out and yeah, I think if every I could, platform possible. If I could live the rest of my game dev career without ever having someone say, how have I not heard about this, about yes, a game that, that we've made, be. then I will be very, very happy. Yeah. Because that, that was honestly like one of the – that was one of the, <laughs> the cruelest so, barbs uh, during early Yeah, because you know, as much – Yeah, Because we're putting so hundreds of hours. Yeah, we're yeah. putting hundreds of hours into spreading the word about the game. And contacting um, over a thousand people, you know. Yep. Yeah. Who, who yeah, all in turn have audio. Of at least a thousand and often hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that that comment. Well, and the cruelest one is when is when people actually comment that on the trailer. Yeah, and yeah. it's like this is you hearing about it. Like, you're, <laughs> yep. you're you're here now. Yep. We got you here. Uh, we like we did it. You know, yeah. The idea is it's sort of like they should have always already heard about it, sort of perpetually, you know, into the past. But I think it's a perfectly (laughs) fair point, to be honest. It is. Like, yeah, you you're right. You know, and I think that's 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 the cruelest barb of all. You know, when it hits you, yeah, it's true. But if you think about the resources of us of a small studio like like us relative to um, a a big studio, so so some interesting examples from the recent past would be um, when Fallout Four was announced, Fallout Shelter was released. Right, like yeah. they released a mobile game the same day as they announced the upcoming game, and that was the campaign. Right, like that—that that was the, it. The but marketing campaign, yeah. the marketing campaign, yeah. And it's yeah. it's such a well-known IP that they already had millions of people tuning in just to watch the announcement for the release date for the game. Right, yeah. like what what happens when we announce a, a release date? Nobody gives like, a shit. Like, yeah, we got to pay to put a press release out and we got to, you know, like we're, we're still very small potatoes mm-hmm. and we don't have that inbuilt audience of having that huge IP yet. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe Levelhead will be that IP. Well, that's the whole thing though. It's like, so when you talk about, you know, what, what have we done with Levelhead uh, sort of in, in preparation for the launch? It's, uh, it is, I think it's more true this time than it has ever been that, that every lever that we know that exists, uh, we are pulling on. There's just like one or two left that we don't have actually the cash to do something with. Right. Uh, there's some other sort of you know influencer campaigns and other stuff that we still don't have the the money to actually do. Um, but there's there's so everything else we're we're doing and we're doing in a way that we found to be efficient in terms of getting getting eyeballs and and getting some attention and stuff. And so really, it's just this is the weird part of like the pre-launch because everything's done. We sent out the press keys last Thursday. Everything is done. Yeah. Uh, the game's. To been through cert, it's all just as Seth said. He's just been hanging on, just just doing some other stuff around the studio. I've been uh, doing that thing a lot, where like you sit in a chair and then your leg bounces up and down. You know, I've been yeah. doing a lot of that. Yep, yeah. a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> Adam has shored up all the web systems so that we don't have the error thirty seven problem. You know, on launch day, well, uh, or we hope anyway. Do we hope? And yeah, in the meantime, then, you know, Sampy and I have been just slinging emails as far and as wide as we can, writing the ballet, doing all this stuff. And so you just kind of like the reality is that what whatever's going to happen has been completely set in motion. And there's no there's just nothing else at this point, really. Uh, and so I think it's interesting to talk about, you know, the the reality of, of doing a launch well, which means that that uh, actually a good couple of days at least before the launch, uh, you should have this feeling of it being kind of locked in, right? Where it's like, yeah, it's all been done. So, I mean, yeah, we could you, you can freak out as much as you want. Uh, you just need to be reactive to like throwing keys to people if they ask for them uh, you know, for certain streamers and YouTubers and, and press. But for the most part, it's, uh, it is what it is now. And so then you play the waiting game, which is the worst. The waiting game mm-hmm. is just the worst game. It's terrible. Yeah, because this whole week – so yeah, we're recording this on Sunday. Launches on Thursday. So the whole week, our ads aren't going out. Our 
our press have been contacted, but they're not supposed to write reviews until launch 29th. Yeah, day before 29th. And, and right. same thing with like YouTubers and streamers and stuff we basically said. Well, and there's know. no point for them to even do it until there's already a community. Until there's an audience, like, yep, which yep. is launch. Yeah. Yep. So they won't. And, they, and also most of them aren't going to tell us. Like, I think we do have a handful of people who have actually said at least that they're really interested, right? Yep. Yeah, um, but I don't think we have anybody who's guaranteed. You coverage. never get a yep. You never, you never get, get a guarantee. And so, so we have this. Yeah. We have these literally, you know, a thousand outstanding potential press items, right? Uh, that may or may not come through, and we won't know until basically starting the day before launch, and then even going. We're actually probably the first week after. Was, I think what we saw with Crashlands. Um, and so yeah, so our ads aren't going out. Like, so so we still this weird. We're in this weird phase. We're just hanging like, out. The, and the game is still technically available, right? Which is the weirdest part of all of it is that because that's been the weirdest part <laughs> because we're in early access. It's, it's yeah. just so weird that like the game is actually available, and yet we're waiting for this like really big moment. Right? Well, let's talk about the 1.0 though, because I think we we do have a bunch of news. There's a bunch of stuff actually in the 1.0, which I don't know if we even talked about basically ever because we've been thinking about it in terms of it being already in. <laughs> for oh, a while. I mean, it's it's mostly the the tutorial and then and then campaign improvements. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we did we did talk about the tutorial quite a bit in, in a few episodes back because mm-hmm. it's been done for quite a while because uh, our, our plan was to basically be ready for launch a month before launch. Yep. Is and this way, not available way, in early access? I thought we made it. Nope. Nope. It's, um, it's, it's, on, the it's on the beta branch on Steam, but uh, which that yeah. will become the, the, the live branch. Um, I see. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's in that point where we've done everything that we possibly can do. Um, and what's, what comes next is now a question of, did this thing that we made, uh, like, did it actually match what we thought the market would like? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is there, is there an audience for a game like this? Um, that is, that is a sizable audience. Like we know that there is one, but, how, but, but how big is it? Yeah. And where, where are well, those well, people? How big is it? And how do they find out about it? Cause this is actually one of the things that, that I've been thinking about a lot uh, now in retrospect is, is the way that we originally were thinking about this was we, we looked at Mario Maker and, and thought there's no game that's been successful like to a, a large degree like this on anything except for, at that time, uh, Wii U or whatever. Mm-hmm. Original. Yeah, original Mario Maker was on Mario, the Wii U. Yeah. So we started and, development uh, for Levelhead in uh, January of 2018. So Mario Maker 2 had not been announced and would not no. be announced for over a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – and so, so we thought, and we, at the time too, we figured even if it did end up coming out, it would only be on the Switch, and so we'd still have all the other platforms. And and I think in a lot of ways that's still true. But I think I think the interesting thing we didn't think about though was that because of the fact that the only game out there really was Mario Maker, um, this isn't an established genre, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. So so there's Mario Maker, and then that's it. And there there are a handful of games that that have come out and tried to kind of do the same thing. Uh, and actually, if you look at people talking about them, they don't talk about it in relationship to Mario Maker, really. Um, there just seems to be kind of like, – they just – those games just haven't done very well. Um, and I think There's, it's because people who play Mario Maker aren't thinking about themselves as playing a genre of game. Like people who play a lot of first-person shooters like think of themselves as FPS players, right? So people yeah, are like RTS players or RPGs, whatever. Like they, they yeah. play certain genres and as a new games come out in that genre, they go try out that new game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but games like Mario Maker – I guess – the game like Mario Maker, right, hasn't established a genre in such a way that people are thinking of them. They, they just think of themselves as Mario Maker players, not as platformer maker players. Yeah. And yeah. so people aren't actually looking for a game like this. And and, and, and even those who just don't – and those who, who don't have the platform and have never played Mario Maker don't even know about it. 
aren't even thinking about games like this because it's not out there as, as an established genre. Yeah, well that's, so that's the that's sort of the weird strategic thing I think that you're absolutely right that we missed uh, at the start, which was which is we got so excited about seeing what we thought was a hole in the market, which is true. Yeah. I still believe it's true. We'll find out uh, yeah. on Thursday that we did that. We didn't realize that there the market wasn't even there actually. Well, the market, the market, well, the market didn't know uh, it was there. Yeah, you have to create uh, the market. It's yeah. a blind market, right? So yeah. yeah, if the genre doesn't exist, and this is kind of like, you know, we have, uh, I saw someone actually in our comments, um, someone was asking about, about some of the similarities and differences. Um, and, and, uh, the question of, you know, when you take inspiration from, from a game in, in a space where there's only one of those games, right? So in the case of yeah. us and Mario Maker, uh, and the case of, uh, the example they gave was a uh, doom and quake, right? Yeah. And the interesting thing is until there's enough games in a genre that talking about them all individually is annoying, uh, you don't really make a genre for them. You just like they ended up being sort of they feel like uh, like, you know, Quake called a Doom clone or whatever else uh, afterward until you have enough of these first person shooters that you actually have this new term show up. Right. Yeah. The, the, the genre sort of supersedes. The, yeah. yeah. You don't you don't see things like Call of Duty seven is the best Doom clone yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Right. It's just it's in a genre. Not, yeah. yeah. It's I think that's the weird thing is that we I, I think it, it, part of it has to do with tools. Right. Is that all the tools have gotten powerful enough now where. Where game making games are a thing, uh, you know, Dreams yeah. just came out and it's like a, absolutely ridiculous. Where Dreams is, is in, it's in its own category, like so because it's so far into the just like the actual. It's actually so uh, close game to game dev. space. Yeah, yeah. also people use it to make even Anything. like things that aren't games. You know, like yeah. weird interactive movies. And yeah, it's hard to even say what that is. Yeah, right. Which again is is an interesting challenge. You know, for them um, mm-hmm. is just. Is there's there's a, nothing like it? How do you sell it? Right? Is the yeah yeah, and, and that's if you think about um, about games that have succeeded in in this way in the past, that's always been the big challenge. Is is if you're the first in a space, then there are no rules, and people are just excited about the novelty of the thing, right? Yeah, if but, if, if they can figure out what the hell you're even doing, right? Guess, and so if you look at, if you look at a game like uh, maybe like EverQuest, you know, which was um, it was it was certainly not the first MMO, um, but it was the first that sort of like gained a, a pretty good mass appeal, um, but it was still pretty inaccessible, right? The people who played it just loved the shit out of it, but it did stuff like when you died, you leveled down, and then you <laughs> yeah. had to go <laughs> go level back up again, uh, just crazy stuff. And uh, and then Blizzard came along and basically they just they just took it and they shaved off all the rough edges, put it into the Warcraft universe. Um, and because it was, you know, at, at the time Blizzard was a company known for making highly polished things that are very accessible to people. People knew the Warcraft franchise. It had all the right ingredients, and it introduced uh, it introduced now by now like a hundred million people to MMOs mm-hmm. um, who otherwise would have never really considered it. And this is my hope uh, with with you know Xbox Game Pass and Google Play Pass is that is that we basically get introduced through people's trust in those services as like as entities that prop up a game, right? Um where where they basically they'll be saying like, hey, this is worth your attention, you should go give it a shot. So that even though people don't know because I think most people like most people don't know about Mario Maker, really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's that's, that's been the, the challenge switch. Is yeah. uh I've had a lot of I've had a lot of people who I I, I found it's the easiest. It's the easiest way to talk about the game because people who are familiar with Mario Maker, like they understand the concept, build levels and share them with with people, you know, and stuff yep. like that. Um, but then you then you run into a lot of people 
it turns out most people who don't know about Mario Maker. Oh, yeah. And then you have to then you have to explain the whole thing from the ground up because like you said, there's no Well so what I do that the framework my, for the Yeah, genre. My, my pitch because like a lot of my friends actually just play on either Xbox or PlayStation. And so they haven't played a Mario game in except for like right. Mario Kart for forever. And so yeah, I was like I was like, Oh yeah, they're like, Oh, what are you working on? I'm like, Oh, we're you know, about to launch this uh launch this game's like Mario Maker and they're like, What? And I'm like, what's uh, that? And then like, oh, well, so I was like, it's sort of trying to do what Instagram does, did for photography, but for level design, if that makes sense. So like mm-hmm. give everybody the tools to make good stuff and then let them share it. And they're so like, yeah, so oh, okay. trying to describe it, Yeah. Tr- trying to describe it using existing frameworks would be like, all right, so, you know, you know, like Mario or Super Meat Boy or like, yeah. And you're like, okay, you know, Instagram. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, like Metroid, Metroid. Mm-hmm. Castlevania, you know, Metroidvania stuff, you know, that mm-hmm. it's like that. Put now, all that. Now you're, now you're losing people already. You yeah, know, pro, like, you know here's, programming? Here's like eight things. Yeah, put programming, <laughs> put programming in there, you know. And you know, then, programming, uh, put that in there. Yeah, you have Facebook, like get some of that, a little bit of that in there too. And then, yep. you know, you had to sprinkle. You know, s- speed running, sprinkle you know that, speed put that in, in there. there. Yep. Yeah, um, so, so, and it is kind of interesting because we think back to how we have been marketing this thing to, and it's been, it's been easy to market it to uh, to our business partners, you know, at all the platforms um, as something like Mario Maker, but for their platform, right? Like that's been really easy because everybody Cause in the industry it. knows about it, right? Yeah. Um, and but then trying to get it, trying to use that as as sort of the comparison point outside, as like, hey, we're basically making something like Mario Maker, different, but something like it, same idea, right? Uh, but now everywhere, so you don't you can play it no matter what device you're on, and so if like. For all those people who want to be able to play this kind of game anywhere, that's kind of like that's what our marketing sort of focus and thought has been. Mm-hmm. Like now there is one versus oh shit, actually most people don't even know that this is a kind of game, right? Yeah. Uh, so how do we teach them about that? And I think yeah. I think in a lot of ways that's actually I I think why our early access or it's a piece of why our early access didn't go well because people didn't understand what kind of a game this was because most people aren't aware of this kind of game. And even if they were, because it's not a, it's not like out in the world in a, in a really sort of common way with lots of different examples, there isn't There's an audience. No of frame people. of reference. There's no frame of reference, and there isn't yeah. an audience of people who play this kind of game, right? And so if they see it, they're like, "Oh, cool, you can make levels," but like nobody knows that's for. It's, it's one of the things like I know for myself, I wouldn't have known that such a thing was for me, right? Because because I've never done right. it before. I've never I've never made like back in StarCraft early StarCraft days. I remember making maps. Yep. Right. Well, this yeah, I had this. Funny but this is my I... last time working with an editor, and yeah, I haven't. I wouldn't think like, oh yeah, it would be really cool to be able to make my own levels and share them. Like, I wouldn't think yep. that that would be cool until I've had the experience and see how interesting and meaningful and and awesome it can be. Right. This is weird a circular like, problem. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a, a list someone had made of like oh games with level editors right and level yeah. editors in there, and I was like that's not really the way to describe this it's a level editor game like the yeah it's not a, a the level editing is not like a like a side fringe <laughs> thing. it's literally yeah. it's, it's the point do, right yeah it's the focal um, point yeah but yeah it is hard to explain that and i think also it's it's one of those things it's weird and hard to convey um because the reality is like you know most i don't know if we actually know the average build time uh across our our player base but most people spend you know between one and like four hours on every level they make uh, yep. mm-hmm. And then some people spent literally twenty plus hours on levels they make. Uh, and some people spend twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, because we do have somebody who's published. Uh, what, was, what was the last thing? CJ Five 
Last I saw, he was at he passed two hundred and fifty, but he's probably he's got to be yeah. So he's churning out pushing the three hundred like, mark like every whatever minutes or something yeah. on the clock. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, part of it too is is we in Levelhead we have all these ways to browse creators and levels and all this stuff because one of our one of our design pillars, which we'll probably get into a little bit later, but it was this idea. Uh, what do we? It's the local newspaper mantra: names, names, names. Mm-hmm. Right? That's exactly it. Yeah, it's uh, you should be able to find people all over the place. So put their names on the levels, put their names on scoreboards, and even create we have the the creator browser, which is a place where you can sort and search through uh, lists of all the other players in Levelhead, and and you can look up like most prolific, which is just the people who have just made the most levels, right? And just because that list exists. Then CJ five people are trying to be at the top of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So CJ five comes in and he's like, "I'm going to be at the top of this list." And so he's just relentlessly pumping out twenty minute builds. And he's got a huge <laughs> head start on anybody coming in yeah. you know, for the full launch. Yeah. So um, yeah, and, and there's like uh, there's top uh, speed runners, you know, so like people who have the most shoes. Um, there's well, people who generate people, the most playtime. Yeah, people can generate a level of infamy too, right? Where it's like, oh, that's a yeah, that's an Usu level, like, oh, man, everyone knows what that means, you know, or like, yeah. oh, man, yeah, intuition's going to steal your shoes if he sees if he sees your name anywhere. Like, he will just, yep. your shoes will be, he's like the boogeyman. Uh, yeah, but it is, it has been really interesting to see during early access just because of that people have been using the names of creators to describe level concepts, right? And so when people say like, oh, well, yeah, that's a Specchio level, so you better like only run it on your PC. <laughs> like, <laughs> people know what that means. And what it means is that his level is basically a game in and of itself that has so much logic and physics and stuff happening in it that your frame rate is going to – Yeah, take gonna, yeah you, you know that it's a level that has used level head as a game engine instead of as a level yeah. maker. Right. This so it's kind of, of like if somebody says, you know, oh, yeah, like uh, – this is uh, this is an Unreal Engine game, so you're going to want to run it on a high end PC. It's like, oh, this is a specio level, so you want to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think the thing that's so exciting about this is, you know, all of us got into game dev sort of sideways, right? I mean, Adam's a, a fucking PhD in molecular biology and, and Seth, you're a CFA, like, right? But didn't exactly come into this uh, through the educated path, and so I think the thing that's so exciting from psychology, yeah, exactly. Artist, so and so yeah, the weird this it's why it's so exciting to to participate in in this. Frankly, this gamble, this attempt uh, by our studio to essentially, you know, move from having move this game into into the creation of a genre to a degree, which is, uh, you know, the creation of the maker genre in a really big way for a lot more people, uh, for a lot more people across all platforms to experience. Uh, largely because, like, I'm so excited the the depth of of design that people are are doing with stuff is just oh, it's amazing, absolutely wild, and I love that we get to like that. That's the thing that we made this time you know what i mean like we're, it's easy to make a game that uh, like we're very good at making loop driven games at this point you know what i mean like we can bang those out in 40 loops hours are easy man loops are so easy Level, leveling system you just uh just grind just it out make the numbers yeah. bigger yeah. make so, the numbers bigger and it's, it's exciting yeah but making a game that that people can just play for a thousand hours and that and that the the, that's the reality surprising of, yeah it's always surprising the reality of playing it is that you're like making stuff you're tinkering you know like you're practicing design skills like yeah i just Dude, it's still the case. I'm that, so excited. To this day, uh, so like if, if people, you know, no, nothing against Crashlands because I, I still think Crashlands is a great game. It's good, um, yeah. But it's also a very streamlined, uh, pretty standardized experience across players, right? Because it's yeah. it's story driven and 
And people will have a. Well, and it's a linear progression of a very small, finite set of items, right? Yeah. So yeah. everyone so people, sees the same stuff. But yeah. It's, yeah. It's, um, and, and if you see something different, it's just because you skipped something, right? So you just saw yep. less. <laughs> yep. uh, you, didn't, you didn't necessarily see something different. Um, and so if somebody posts a, a Crashlands video somewhere, um, I, I tend to not watch it because I've, you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of what the game has. Yeah, the only to offer, value right? to us there is the person's reaction to it, but not the actual thing itself. Right. So it's about this, yeah, it's about the person, but in, in, uh, with Levelhead, uh, anytime somebody posts a video in the discord, like I'm, I'm there because I know <laughs> that either, because like, A, it's going to be some level that I've never seen because mm-hmm. it just got published and, and the game is constantly churning out new interesting things. Um, it's people pulling off these, it just, just ludicrous speed running stunts that I like people are doing stuff and figuring out how to do things in the game that I did not know you could do. And I made it like I wrote well, the that's physics. Been, that's been the fun know? part, right? Of like, even on the design side, you know, we made like the fact that you can stack items on paths. Like, did we, not, didn't, we didn't put that, we didn't realize that until we saw, I don't remember who it was. Someone put, someone made a, a, a basically a swing of spike chains that would basically end up being like a, a full circle of, spiky death at the end of one of these paths. We were like, what? We didn't even know you could yeah. do that. Or even the concept of a one tick switch where you you set up a switch so that that every single frame it flips on or off. And then people hook that up to cannons and make like a like a fireball. constant <laughs> fireball like field. A lava stream and, business. And of course, a CPU burner, I think. Yeah, of, yeah, and of course the frame rate just just completely collapses um, when you do that too much, but it's still cool. Like it's just, it's yeah. cool and yeah. weird. Um, yeah. And so just the, the fact that, that this, that this game just produces an infinite endless stream of surprises, even for us, you know, as the developers who made the thing, I think is something that uh, I personally am very proud of. You know, I, I think it's just a super cool uh, thing to get to see. And it makes me, it makes me very excited about the future of the game and, and the combinatorial possibilities of, like, if we just add like one new thing, just one new item to the game, then that all of a sudden blows the lid off a whole new yep. suite of possibilities that I still don't know what those even are. Right. Uh, so, anyways, we should probably get on to some questions. I think. Yeah, let's do it. Um, exactly. So we have a bunch of questions uh, from our our listeners and. I think we probably have a lot of new people coming into the podcast this mm. week. I would assume um, launches tend to tend to do that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so, so welcome, yeah, welcome, welcome to the thing, Yeah. So these questions uh, come from our listeners at podcast.bscotch.net, and we have an upvoting system there, so our our players can upvote each other's questions, and we we always try to answer the the top upvoted questions uh, every week. So. Uh, this week's questions, uh, top question comes from Mopate Flatunk, who one. says, twice now, just as I've started up Levelhead, my wife has set off the smoke alarms in the house and forced me to jump off the computer to save the family, or at least <laughs> <laughs> or at least to get the dog to quit howling. Is this a conspiracy? Is she just trying to get me away so she can play the game? Should mm. I just not let her cook anymore? Or is Levelhead just that smoking? <laughs> I love this. So the options are conspiracy. Wife Definitely. is setting off the smoke alarm, quickly running over to the computer and playing Levelhead. As opposed to just saying, hey, can I, can yep. I play? <laughs> I mean, the implication here is that is that the answer is no. Would not well, yeah, we'll just yeah. say no. So. Which is, of course, the reasonable response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can to I that, I would just say no. I would just say, you know, you can't have two different accounts on the same 
Well, not only that, you can both play at the same time on the same machine. Also that. So you just – got to have a sit down. You can be, Look, I know that you have been intentionally – and you got you got to just launch into it. You can't ask questions. That's not how you do a conspiracy theory. You just got to launch into it. Say, yeah. I know that you have been setting off the fire alarm on purpose. Follow the money. Yeah, and of course, you follow the money. And <laughs> true, I think yeah. as, with, as with any good conspiracy, any evidence against it is evidence for it. Because yeah. yep. evidence against a conspiracy is obviously just part of the conspiracy. Yeah, so and the more evidence there is against it, the more likely it is that the conspiracy goes deeper than you thought. Exactly. So if you lock the door behind, it's like there's no way she could have gotten in there if you're with her the whole time. Mm-hmm. So that she definitely couldn't have gotten in there. Smoke alarm goes off. It must be it must be the clone that she's brought in to allow her to play. Yep. You know? yeah. Like, yep. Probably it's the your, kids are involved. Maybe the dog is involved. How convenient that involved. she's cooking at the same time every day. Yeah. What is Almost this about? too convenient. Too convenient. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe, maybe this goes deeper. Maybe this goes into, you know, the food industry. We all yeah. know. Yeah. Probably yeah. Monsanto's involved. Monsanto's in this. probably involved. Like, let's There's be real. GM, GMO. There's probably GMO. They're going to be like, here's what we're going to do. Something. Well, yeah. also Monsanto cloned your wife, which is why that's there how there's go. two of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's how one of them setting off the smoke alarm. The other one is running over and playing level head for four minutes while you put the smoke <laughs> alarm turned off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there is there is a, an alternative here, which is – That uh, seems unlikely. Uh, yeah, unlikely, but let's hear it. So I've got – we're going <laughs> to – I'm going to – so I know Occam's Razor – says that the simplest explanation is probably the right one. No, so obviously, it's, no, it's obviously, not what it says. It says, because this, this misconception always, it grinds my gears. Oh, sorry, what it ahead. says. It's correct. Says, correct. It, say, it says, the Occam's Razor says, unless you have further evidence for a more complicated solution, you shouldn't believe anything more complicated than the simplest. It doesn't say that it's true or that it's right. Likely. Okay, right. It's it not that says it's, you have it's no that, right. That's uh, fair. You have no right to make it more complicated. Right. You can't if you've got all the evidence that. you need, then yeah. you're good. Uh, so obviously, based on Occam's razor, the elaborate conspiracy theory is the correct one. But yes. I've got a simple implausible explanation that? Uh, or an implausible alternative, which is uh, uh, maybe, maybe she's just setting off the smoke alarm, uh, but also you could just get her – get, just get a second controller for 20 bucks and then she can just play co-op. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's another – is there a possibility? So it's probably that she – yes, she is doing all these things. She's conspiring with Monsanto. Probably the pharmaceutical industry is involved as well. There's, <laughs> there's clones. There's dogs. Yeah, there's such case. an easy fix. But you know? it's only because she didn't realize that if you just have a second controller, then you know, you're good. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so just go ahead and do that. Uh, next question is from Fraser who says, how did you decide on Thursday, April 30th to launch Levelhead? Why not the 29th or the 1st? Or anything else in that range. <laughs> so, anything else in that range? I think we I think we've covered the range. The question okay. is like, how do you so how do you pick date. a launch? Yeah, how do you do that? So in what our case, it's uh, it ends up being much more complicated because of the multi platform launch. So so every platform has days that it prefers you launch on. So it used yeah. to be the case on mobile, which is where sort of the studio grew up. Uh, that Thursdays were the day because it used to be when the store turned over. That's no longer the case, right? So the store turns over every day now. Just constantly. Uh, just constantly. And new stuff's constantly popping in. So that's, that doesn't even make any sense. Uh, I think it doesn't it's even still, make any sense. But, but the other part of rationale is for press, right? Which is if press are writing up articles on Thursday and Friday, then those are just going to stick around at the top of their pages exactly. over the weekend because professional features. press don't work over the weekend. Yeah. So, so – 
there's the press angle. And the other one is, is just the, the reality of, of looking at the sine waves of player time. So yeah. players play the most Thursday through Sunday, basically. It's not surprising. It's sort of like the weekend. It's when things are happening. Uh, Tuesdays are always like a crater. And then it sort of slowly starts returning on Wednesdays. Mondays are bad. Tuesdays are real bad. Mondays aren't even that bad. Tuesdays, I don't know what happens. It's just like everyone's like, oh, God, I got, I'm in, I'm in. The week is happening. I, I think it's like stuff. on Sunday, people are like, oh, fuck yeah, it's still the weekend. <laughs> and they're like, they're playing games. <laughs> and then, and then Monday comes around, and they're like, oh, I'm still hanging in there. I still got this, you know, and they're still playing a little bit. And then Tuesday and then comes Tuesday's like, like, oh, God, I've put, I, I've done too little work now because I'm, I'm already into the yep. week digging yeah. out. Yeah. So, yeah. so we tend to prefer either a Thursday or Friday launch because just because of those factors. Uh, but then when you look at the specifics, uh, again, depending on platform, like that's where the conference, that's actually why it took so long is because we have to talk to six different platforms and be like, hey, we're thinking about something in this range. What is happening and what would be good? And even then, and they, they can't tell us who else is launching because it's all correct. Secret Sometimes they'll they be can, like, they'll be they can, like, they can say this might be a bad time, but they won't tell be. us why. Yeah. 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 And so the thing is, even with this launch, uh, with, you know, picking it, I think we picked it like about th- two months ago, two or three months ago, uh, with this launch date, talking to all the partners, uh, it's still the case that one of them was like, well, we're actually like super busy because there's a bunch of updates coming out for very specific games that like week, that day, a couple days. Uh, so you might not get, you might not get featuring like that day, but we could maybe give you something like a little later if that's okay. We're like, yeah, we, that's fine. But again, it's all very non-committal. It's, it's always couched in like you might not get featuring and oh, yeah. you may get some later mm-hmm. which Could is really be. weird frankly when you think about it because like if the game does really well they make a shitload of money well, so why are we, this is it is why they're, making it, they're making it our responsibility for the thing to do well so they don't have to take a risk you know well but it's also a zero-sum game right so like they want to yep. keep their options open because yep. if they featured that's if true. they featured Levelhead instead of Fortnite, that was probably a mistake. I'm just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, because yep, yeah. they want to feature whatever's going to make them a billion dollars instead of a That's lot true. less than that. That's true. Um, so they're, they're never going to commit to anything until like – like yeah. if, if, if 30 seconds before the featuring was about to go out, all of a sudden you know, Activision showed up and they're like, Candy Crush 3 is Boom. coming out. We skipped oh, yeah. 2. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's where the featuring's going. That's it. It's over, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we try to play in all these, all these events. And as far as timing, the day of, uh, so I think actually, I think technically the game comes out in Japan on, in the, on the, in the evening of 429 because of how time mm. works. Uh, and then for us, like we, we basically just wake up early that day and then just click all the buttons and let things propagate and certain things are scheduled. So for the most part, I, th- I think the game should be totally rolled out everywhere by like 9 a.m. CST on every on that Thursday. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be like on Thursday, we'll wake up and when like 7.30 or 8, we'll be pressing all the buttons for most of the things that don't, that aren't fully released yet. So Steam and uh, I think Google and Apple uh, will be actually yeah. back there mashing buttons. So yeah, it's going to be exciting. So there you go. So there's uh, like 90 different things you have to do to figure out when to launch your game. And it's always the wrong day. Yep. Yeah. No matter what we, you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and all nine of those things are mutually incompatible. They're mutually compatible, <laughs> so you just pick the least shitty one. We've 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 known people, uh, some friends of ours who have launched, for example, like on a Tuesday on Steam, which uh, which turns out is Steam's maintenance day, which normally maintenance is like five minutes. Yep, NBD, normally. no big deal. Uh, except every now and then, it's but not. but unex un- unpredictably, 
it's just the whole day. The whole day, steam is down for for maintenance. Um, they're being they're a lot better than uh, at that nowadays than they were back then. Mm-hmm. But but your your launch day might actually just get deleted on a platform completely, which yep. really really sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why you launch on like eight platforms. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from Fly Hoppy Ax Rampa. Sam, what? a long time ago, you spoke about how at the end of Crashlands development, you had to pull back on your art skills a bit to make sure the game looked consistent. Mm. Do you find yourself doing the same thing with Levelhead? Uh, I think the reality is that the where I want to go on the art side is just it's a slightly different uh, style, some updated stylings and stuff. It's not so much that I was – it's not so much that the art has gotten uh, as so much better compared to the difference between like start of Crashlands versus end of Crashlands uh, as I feel like the the sort of sensibility around what I want to do with the style. And you can see this basically like the background art for the campaign, right, or the landmarks for the mm-hmm. campaign. Like they're – they look a little bit different. Um, Those are the pushing, last things that were made I believe, right, the last yep. art assets. Yeah, I made – I finished them in January. Uh, yeah. yeah, and everything else was done before that. And so, and I've also taken three, two classes, two or three classes during uh, level heads development to increase my skills and all this stuff. And so the reality is more so that I, I want to push the art into a, into a different direction, more so than that it started getting like what I would just call better, <laughs> which is what happened at Crashlands. Uh, and so I have been, I've certainly been holding back on that because you can't just like switch the style up uh, as you go. And, uh, but I, I, when it comes to, you know, animation or whatever else. Like there's, there's a ton of stuff that I do want to add more of. It's just that uh, we haven't had, we haven't been in a place where we needed to add things that are highly animated or whatever else. And so I haven't, there's a lot of things I actually just haven't had the opportunity to go take another crack at because we, because of sort of how development has, has worked out for this game. Um, I also think about seeing, so I, I played, I've played Crashlands quite a bit over the past week um, because we've been getting it ready for this free, free Epic deal. And, uh, one of the things that really kind of stood out to me in there was was remembering how how little time we had for for art development during mm-hmm. Crashlands, um, and how efficient we had to be with everything. So one of those things is that that almost nothing in the world is animated. Yeah, right. Like the trees, the sawgrass, everything oh, yeah. is just completely static. And and uh, uh, for those of our our listeners who remember the MMO we made in a weekend, Fields of Goop. Um, yeah. Everything is animated. The server is still running, so if you want to play, still, you want to play our <laughs> weird MMO, on our edge page. Um, but but we have all these like cool looking tr- like weird alien trees and stuff, and they just kind of like whoosh, like they make weird squishing movements and mm-hmm. stuff, and everything is is moving. And that's definitely something that um, that Sam I I've seen you progress on over the course of Levelheads development is this this moving from sort of like a begrudging acceptance for animating things to a passion for animating. Things. Oh yeah. I, yeah, right. I honestly like animation. Yeah. I, I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and it's, it has moved to the point where like, if something, if I don't get to make something move then I'm a little bummed about it now. Cause just yeah, everything's better. Part of it is like, like it, it used to be so hard for you to do yeah. just because you, that was where your art skills were was, was like re- rendering an object by redrawing it from a different angle or like as it's spinning oh, yeah. or yeah. turning things is always a nightmare for me, but it's, it's just fine too now. much, yeah. you know? 
Um, which is why I'm really excited for uh, for if we do a top down perspective or this kind of like open world concept for the next game. Um, just getting to see how that feels, like how the world oh, feels yeah. and how alive everything's going to be, and being able to do big art pieces because it's, it's also still mm-hmm. a thing, which is that Levelhead still doesn't have big pieces of art. It still doesn't. Like it's the tiles are the biggest thing, but that's just sort of by being a mash of things together. Uh, in Crashlands, we had a rule, which is that nothing could be more than one tile because we couldn't figure out how to do mm-hmm. it. In a variety of like a whole variety of ways, um, and so well, like, yeah, I got that purling noise. You know, it's, uh, it's brutal. Yeah, yeah. The, the world duration, and so in, in Levelhead, uh, we have some things that are bigger than a tile, but for the most part, everything's pretty constrained in terms of size. Uh, in the same sort of way, there's there's you know players can make you can make like fortresses and stuff or like big you know chunky trees and things, uh, but there's no there's no art asset that is itself. You're not gonna have a one thing honking. that's like a ten by ten. Exactly. You know. Which would be awesome, and I would love to make it. Uh, and so that's that's one of those things where it's like I I do want to push in, in some of those directions and mainly get away from. I mean, frankly, it's 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 a it's a holdback from from where we started in games, which was do game jams. You just got to get the art done, uh, minimal done systems that need to, yeah to be to build them, um, and everything needs to be functional in the same sort of way. Into moving more, to more of this, you know, systems rich games that have just a lot of weird, interesting, different stuff going on. Uh, so yeah, I. It's it's been it's been really good. I think Level has pushed pushed me forward in a ton of different ways, and uh, it's been a really good opportunity to do, do some animation in particular. Um, and I want to push that even further as we as we continue. So should be fun. Yes. All right. Next question comes from Chalosis. Do you have design pillars that you followed for Levelhead? Something like we only add features that are fun with touch controls, or mm. make it impossible to create a bad looking level, or some other generality like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, we had the one that we started with early on was that uh, it should be not that it should be impossible to make a bad looking level, but that it should be easy to make a good looking level. Yeah. Two different so that basically, if you just do something, that it's going to look pretty good. So if you just grab just the the standard terrain tile and just make some, just make a level out of it, that the level should still look visually interesting. Mm-hmm. That was that was the so that that was where the idea of these context aware tiles that like change from being a tree trunk to being a shrub, you know, depending yeah. on what you're doing. And then if you um, want to push it, where you make it even like actually even prettier, it's still just super easy to do, right? You just change the backdrops in some places, put some paths down. Like it's all very simple to make something that looks really good. Uh, I think that was that was one. And then uh, one of the other important ones was that was basically that we didn't want the tools to get in the way. Uh, so you know we've. We played. We played both, both Mario Maker. We've of course used a bunch of tools to build our own stuff. You know, in Inkscape, Photoshop, whatever, Game Maker. Um, and the reality is that any slowness, any friction that is present in the tooling, always shapes the designs because you you can't do certain things. Yeah, you just do more or less of things depending on how easy or hard things are to yeah. do. And so we that was a big big one, which is like okay, so for every single one of these tools, whether it's multi-select, uh, the grab, whatever else the use of it has to be such that it can be really, really slick. Uh, and that does go for across all devices. So that, that's why we ended up uh, just a few months ago, we did a huge remapping of the controls uh, on console because we played it, played it, uh, tried to build a level with it. And we were just like, this is annoying. This is super yeah, you annoying. technically could do it. It just, well, it just didn't feel very yeah, good. We couldn't. And then, and all it, re- I mean, it required like a, you know, basically two hours of playing the game and, and making a bunch of notes. And then Seth and I talked about it and then actually busting up the, the controller systems. We had to rebuild the controller. This was a, yeah, it was a 
a full rebuild of the entire input system to, but then to make that work. The other outcome of that is that we then had fully rebindable keys, yeah. which was yes. pretty rad. Except on Switch, because you know their controller keeps gaining and losing buttons depending on <laughs> yeah, it's too unpredictable. <laughs> uh, that those, one we just didn't have time to solve because it's a lot. But yeah, so those although two also and Switch then, now allows you to remap controls yourself from on the controller. So oh, now, that's true. Now yeah. it's not even our problem. There you um, go. But yeah, so so those are the two big ones, and then uh, beyond that, as far as the, the platforming goes, we want it to be fast, and we want a death to be basically instant, uh, in the sense that you died and you restarted. It's just you're just there now, uh, and a lot of that came mainly came from playing Super Meat Boy, which basically when when the design, yeah, yeah when the respawn time is that short, uh, it allows you to make more challenging levels that don't feel. Terrible. It takes away a lot of the frustration and a lot of the terribleness of, of difficulty. Yeah. Um, because, and also, I mean, his Ruby Boy embraces even further by having, you know, all of your ghost clones, right? Also mm-hmm. running alongside and then dying along with you, you know, in the, in the, in the, the playback. Fanatic. So you, you get this, you just get this really fun uh, vision where, where now all of those failures don't feel like failures at all. They just feel like steps along the path to success, mm-hmm. you know? That's such just, a brilliant design because really it, when you beat, when you beat a level in Super Meat Boy, you get to Im- immediately recall and watch um, all the lessons you've learned yeah. <laughs> on the way yeah. to get there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things too that people that you know wanted us to have in Levelhead and that we talked about, but the, there's a there's a huge difference between what Levelhead is and what Super Meat Boy is, which is Super Meat Boy is deterministic, right? Which means you can then have all these like animated uh, ghosts going on and like doing things according to time that then makes sense because the level. If they like hit a saw blade, the saw blade is actually there, and you know, like that kind of stuff, right? right? Uh, that we don't have in Levelhead because Levelhead is not deterministic. We, yeah, we've we've deliberately allowed for things like randomness, um, not just in in things like um, enemy AI, which has s- small degrees of, of randomness to it, but also in in things like the the programming logic that players can use. Yeah, because so it's not if, random; it's just not deterministic, right? Because if you well, if you hit, some of if it you, is random. Well, I mean, it can be, but it doesn't it doesn't require randomness to become non deterministic? Right? Because now, if a player waits half a second before stepping on a switch this time, right? Then now the saw blade is there this time, but it isn't in, for the ghost who you then see just suddenly right. die for exactly. no reason, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so having all of this uh, complex logic and and also just the the lack of constraints, um, you know, we we went through and we played a lot of other uh, level. There's there's a ton of level building games on mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to be very uh, free to play, heavy. Where like they make you buy blocks, you know, well, so you can put the, them into your level. The game itself that you're building levels for is not particularly fun, uh, which is the trouble yeah. with almost all of them. Yeah, yeah. So we we had to just make sure that we that we allowed for for all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so, so as far as design pillars go, with with that, we we said we thought of the game as having, if I remember correctly, three important pillars. Mm-hmm. So one is the gameplay. So that's where looking to games like Super Meat Boy and and taking inspiration from from the speed of the gameplay and the ease of replayability and stuff like that. Um, and, and trying to we did a lot of experimentation. We just we just played a ton of different games um, to figure out like what genuinely what makes a good platformer? Like what makes it feel good to play? What does it mean to make a responsive game? Um, and also, what are people used to? Because one of the really interesting problems was was momentum inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. That we tried in all kinds of ways, and we played other games, and found that basically everybody does it really differently. And so it was just one of those weird things where we're like, you can actually get away with anything when it comes to momentum inheritance, 
because someone has done it in a successful game and it, and it felt okay once you got used to it in that context, right? Yeah, that yeah. pissed me off so much though because you would think like there's a way for this to feel good, right? And so yeah. when you go around and play other games, um, I mean, the first one I went I went to look at was was uh, Mario, and and they they have you inherit momentum differently from different things. So yep. if you're on a moving platform that's moving side to side, you inherit fifty percent. So if you jump, you won't land on the same place on the platform. You'll you'll move back a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so every game does this a little bit differently. And I think the reason is that platformers inherently require you to be defying all laws of physics all the time. So the, the <laughs> yes. idea that like, for example, you could like step, step and, and, and land on a platform that it itself is falling and that you would then just like move down with it and then just be able to jump off of it. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing, right? Like yeah. if – imagine you're on an elevator. everything falls at the same speed, so you would just yeah. be chasing yeah. it forever. Yeah. Imagine you're on an elevator. The elevator starts free falling. You are now essentially weightless inside the elevator because you're falling and it is falling. You're not standing on it, right? You can't mm-hmm. jump off of it. You'd just be like floating around helplessly freaking out the whole time. Uh, so, so all of these things about what makes a platformer actually playable require the programmer to not use a, a real physics engine and instead to break all the laws of physics. It's a bespoke physics experience is what it is, mm-hmm. you know. It is. It's it's all fake. Um and so so learning about that and then trying to develop um theories about it. So even even things like how fast should your character accelerate? And what we landed on was at roughly the same speed of gravity. So that way when you jump up, like let's say you jump up to the right. And you mean the game's gravity. The game's gravity. Yeah. yeah. So as you as you say like jump up and to the right and then you hit left to that you are able to actually like sort of make a diagonal return back to your starting mm-hmm. point but that that has to be somewhat precise right so that it's not like um in a game like Super Meat Boy it's very floaty gravity is really low but also your acceleration is really low so you kind of like jump and you kind of like you slowly see, yeah yeah weave around in the air and so we looked at all these different things like the relationship between speed of your character, speed of gravity and stuff like that. So the gameplay has to be really good. And that was that was the first pillar because if you're building a game that is about creating levels. Uh, if, if all the levels suck to play. If all the levels <laughs> – yes, yeah. And so, so we said like if the game itself feels really good and is joyful and fun and interesting, if just the core mechanics are interesting, mm-hmm. then Almost any level somebody makes is fun. Yeah, it'll still feel good even if it's a boring level, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we we knew that we had arrived there as soon as we added the grappler. Uh, and I, I don't know if you remember this, Sam, mm-hmm. but we added the grappler and we, we gave it a direction so you could you could jump off off of the box and then pick up the box. So the, we didn't have the package in the game as an object. And instead we just had the throwable blocks. And um, I made this, this level that I just called writer's block. This was like in dev. Oh, yeah. we, could just, we could just name the levels. Um, and, and the whole purpose of the level was you started with a box and you had to sort of, you had to package jump your way through the level. So you had to use the box to get over all these spikes and stuff. Um, and then that opened up the conversation of like, what if this was just part of it? Yeah, uh, and then all of a sudden we were like, oh my God, this is a game about packages. Why don't we, <laughs> yep. why don't we just give you the package? And then, and then now you have this interesting tool. And so, so that kind of blew, blew the lid open on that. Um, so then this, the second pillar 
was the editor, which is the editor has to make an incredibly easy to make good looking levels that are fun and engaging. It should be really easy to test them. Um, and we shouldn't put all kinds of weird restrictions on things. So, it should be, and also should be simple to use, but difficult to, or, but, but with a, it should have a high depth. Yeah. Like a high mastery uh, ceiling. Yeah. So, so the editor should be obvious. And, and so you'll, you'll see things like if you put down a cannon, then that cannon will just be shooting. Like you don't you don't have to hook it up to anything. Like it just works on its own. Um, but then there's that extra layer of depth where you can hook it up to a switch, and now that now the cannon can respond to things in the level. Um, and so we wanted to make it so that just by putting stuff down, your level would things would just be happening, and you could make an interesting experience. Um, so then the third pillar was the, the social social, social yeah. one. Yeah. So that's that's basically saying. The game has to be fun. It has to be easy to make levels, but none of that matters if people don't play your level. Yeah, the thing we just wanted to get away from was, uh, and that really, to me, the, the biggest problem with a lot of UGC games in general is that that's uh, user generated content. Yeah, UGC. Yeah, is is just the issue of like you you, know, you build these robust tools, these robust systems for people to make incredible stuff, but and then, then people just you know pour their hearts into some some creation. Yeah, and then and then it just dies. Into absolute obscurity, and which is know, the same thing as making a video game. That's exactly yeah. as yeah, so we, we joke. We're like, I mean, we we could completely recreate the microcosm of game dev, you know, uh, if we wanted to. But I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, you don't you don't make a game so you can perfectly mimic reality because that's not usually the fun part. The fun part is having people play your shit, right? Which is very hard to do. Uh, the fun part is when good things happen. Yeah. And so the thing <laughs> that I'm most excited about is the fact that like. I think some of our top creators, I think they passed 30 days of playtime already. Uh, or, or very I close think Specchio is like right there. Yeah. It's and like so right when, one you, when you think time. about that, total time generated, um, you know, Specchio in terms of his, the time he's generated for for his his levels only, has has generated more playtime than a lot of people who are doing indie dev. Yep. Because, yep. We're able, because of how the systems work in the game, right? Uh, and it's wild to think about. Uh, absolutely wild to think about from a creative enterprise sort of sort of standpoint. And so, yeah, the, the play system, the social system was entirely designed to make sure that if you wanted to, if you wanted to, that you could get some dang plays on your level. And not like you're not guaranteed a billion. You're not guaranteed to be a millionaire. But the whole thing is like move the floor from zero to some. That's it. That's all we're trying to do, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's literally yeah. it. And so I think for launch, it's – Well, uh, and also it's not, it's not just move the floor. It's also give players some control over it, right? Um, yeah. Because if you need some tools, even even if they and like, there, there's no way for you just to get just to have exposure for free. That's not how it's not possible because that's not mm -hmm. how anything works, right? Um, but the but there should there should be some way, some cost, right? Some effort that you can put in where the result is that people can actually see your level, right? Um, and uh, and there needs to be something you control that that actually allows for that to happen. And so anywhere that's missing when it comes to a social feature, then. Now you're just toast. Now you're dependent on external social features to actually share things. So we wanted that to all be internal. Yeah. So the marketing department to me is our, uh, as much as like the, I think Levelhead's editor is just awesome. I think the switch system is its own big innovation in there. I think when you talk about genre innovations, I think to me, the marketing department is the most important one for what we did, which is make it so that this is a game where if you make something, you can actually get it played uh, instead yeah. of a game where if you make something, you got to go parade around on Twitter and Reddit and everywhere else and, and pray for someone to... Now, I want to give credit where credit is due because we we got the idea of the marketing department from Ludum Dare, mm -hmm. the the worldwide online game jam, who uh, 
they have nowadays thousands of games created in a weekend and they have a, a rating system. So, so people who make games as part of this competition over the weekend can then go play other people's games and give them ratings. And in the earlier days of Ludum Dare, they had this problem where people were making games um, and then they weren't playing other people's games, but were still complaining that nobody was played playing their, their game. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and it stands to reason that if you want other people to play your game, then you should play their game. Right, yep. it's a fair it's a fair exchange. You play theirs, you give it re- ratings and reviews. They play yours, they give you a rating and review. So it's an exchange, um, and uh, so they they set it up so that the more the more you play other people's games and rate them, the higher your game moves on the list. And so so that way, by participating in the community, you get the exposure. People play your game. So we we saw that we were just like, this is perfect. This is genius. Uh, all we have to do is just figure out how to adapt this, you know, to what it is that we're doing. And so uh, that's where the the marketing department and then the idea of exposure bucks uh, kind of came in. And, and that then, was uh, for the, the extra, oatmeal comic, right? Which is the whole yeah. joke about how people try to pay artists all the time, which is pay with exposure. exposure. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. And so the bitch. extra uh, layer that we put on top of it was this concept of of graduating, uh, because Ludum Dare has an interesting. Uh, constraint, which is a whole bunch of games get made all at once, and then that's all that there is. Mm-hmm. Our so then you just end up with a sorted list at the end of it, but that's fine because it's just a sorted that's finite fine. list. Yeah. Yep. Um, the problem that we had to also solve was that what about if there's, say, a thousand levels a day, every day, forever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then uh, the top of that chart becomes just impossible to ever reach. Now know? you've got yeah. the, the App Store charts. Or the yeah, Steam top, exactly. Now, top now you've recreated, charts, right? yeah. Now you've exactly recreated the exact same problem that we have on every storefront. Right. For so you don't want games. you don't want a stagnant list because your players come in and they want to see new stuff. Um, they want to come in every day and pop up in the marketing department and be like, "Look at all these amazing new levels!" And they just play for hours and hours and and see all new things. And so, uh, so these these concepts are still at odds with each other. So that's where our uh, solution of graduation came from. Which is you need you know, to sink. You got to get yeah, stuff out need, of there. We need yeah. to get stuff out of there, and so so your level gets enough players, it graduates out of the marketing department. Now it lives in the tower, where from that point on we are no longer responsible for mm-hmm. <laughs> for that level. Um, and so so people can find it through all kinds of other means, um, but we have given we've given you your guaranteed plays. Your level has been seen by a lot of people. It's been played by a bunch of people. Um, and now it's time, it's time to let some new levels see the have sun. their, have their time in the sun. Yeah. And so, so I think of, you know, kind of no matter what happens, um, with the launch, I'm, I'm personally very excited about just, just seeing how people respond to all these systems. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of the way that we've been able to develop this thing and kind of piece all these all these weird disparate ideas together into something that's, that seems to work um, very well. Yeah. As much as I will say that the, you know, we've talked about early access being a bit of a rough edge for us in terms of the, uh, the sort of business a, side of business it. Move, yeah. uh, it has been absolutely phenomenal for, for the creative side of it. Yeah. Because uh, it's been a great, uh, I mean, and for morale, the yeah. business part aside, but actually like having players play it and, and give yeah, it it's back. been great. And so, yeah, big thanks to, to all of our people from early access, including our, you know, our big paragons who 
showed us stuff that was possible in the game that we didn't even know was possible in a lot of ways uh, or brought us into a different understanding of how speedrunning works or whatever else. Uh, it's been a, it's been, it's been very good making this game with a sort of a community at the same time, as opposed to just being in a cave. <laughs> yeah. Yo. And that, that community has, has, um, really pushed the development of the game in, in interesting ways that we, we ourselves didn't necessarily think about, or we weren't aware that these, that certain things mattered. Um, and so I, I do think it's the case that before early access, we were thinking about the game a lot more in terms of traditional platformers. Mm-hmm. Um, once we started getting the game into players' hands and seeing what people were doing with the Switch system, we were just like, okay, this is it. Like, this is where the the real meat of the of the editor is. Yeah. Um, and so we added a lot of new and interesting switches and tried to make interactions with items a lot deeper and stuff. And so uh, hopefully we can continue to, you know, push, mm-hmm. push that uh, in interesting ways in the future. Uh, all right. So I think, I think that's all we have time for this week. Do you guys have any final thoughts on launch? Well, I, mean, launch I mean, welcome, welcome to all new people who've never listened to the podcast before. So, so this podcast comes out the day before launch, right? But then it's just the top one available until the following week, right? right. So, so I imagine a whole bunch of people are going to come in here for the first time, uh, not knowing who we are, having just gotten level head. So, I pre- we're yeah, welcome. I'm super pumped to to have all all you new people on and appreciate uh, you spending your time and money to uh, to join us on this on this adventure. Um, so yeah, so a huge welcome to all the all the noobs, and I hope you're in the Discord mm-hmm. because that's where all the community action is. Um, Next week yeah. we'll do you know we will talk about the launch, so we'll, you'll you'll hear some of what. What has transpired? Uh, what went yeah. right? What didn't? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be something. Oh be something. Might be a oh lot boy. of things. Oh, God. It's going to be something. Cool. And we'll look back fondly on this moment when we were laughing about, <laughs> just about such, what might go wrong. Such naive children. Uh-huh. <laughs> As we all of our eyebrows are scorched, cinched off mm-hmm. from, from everything being on fire. It's going to be a time. Uh, who knows? We will see. Uh, all right. So that's all the time we have for this week. We would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators, especially this week, uh, who, yep. who keep Buckle our up. Discord running. We've also got a, a few new moderators coming in. So uh, thank you very much for for stepping up and, and helping us to keep these, these uh, rambunctious folks under control. Uh, if you want to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net where we have links to the Discord. We've got a way for you to uh, donate to support the podcast and links to a past archive of all of our previous 255 episodes. So thank you all for listening. See you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.